everyone. This is the Hip Health is Power podcast, episode number nine. And we have Dr. Andy Rhodes here with us. She's a PharmD, so a doctor of pharmacy. She graduated from the University of Kansas and she's been a pharmacist for the last 15 years. So really super experienced. And she specializes in compounding, especially in regards to women's hormones, thyroid conditions, men's health, and then also what we're going to talk about today, low-dose naltrexone, or LDN. And so let's welcome Dr. Andy Rhodes. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. And so um, most of us, you know, especially in the healthcare world, think of naltrexone as sort of that blocker of people taking opioids for when they overdose on opioids. So this low-dose naltrexone is a whole new concept for different chronic conditions um, that many actually you know, not only women see, but also men. And so let's just get into kind of what, you know, what is low-dose naltrexone and kind of some of the mechanisms. Absolutely. So as you said, it was um, FDA approved back in the 1980s for opioid addiction. Um, it sits on the opioid receptors and blocks them so that the opioids can't have their effect on there. And when it's in its standard doses, like 50 to 100 milligrams, it can sit on the receptor for 24 hours or longer. So it completely blocks that effect. Later in the 1980s, there was a doctor out of New York, um, along with others who started to study this in much lower doses, looking at it for conditions like HIV, cancer, because they started to see how it was modulating the immune system and could enhance how these patients were responding to certain uh, anti-HIV therapies, um, anti-cancer therapies. So as time has gone on, the list of conditions that patients have experienced improvement has grown tremendously. I remember just looking maybe five years ago at certain uh, LDN websites that just had you know, a few things on there. Now it's just list and list and list. And more and more studies have come out. There's been several pilot studies over the years for fibromyalgia, chronic fatigue, um, but now they're really looking at it for those really severe inflammatory conditions like Crohn's disease. Um, also autoimmune conditions, multiple sclerosis. There's been several cases that they've had out um, with patients using it for, for MS um, with great success, great safety profile. Um, so we see it in the pharmacy. We see it prescribed for multiple conditions. Um, Hashimoto's is probably the area that I see it the most um, because we have a lot of thyroid patients that come in uh, to get thyroid medication along with their hormones. And so especially and then going into women's health, as some of these younger women have started using it for Hashimoto's, they're starting to see improvements in some of their women's health issues um, like PMS. PCOS. Uh, there's actually a clinical trial that, that was getting started earlier this year for endometriosis, uh, looking at helping to decrease the amount of pain that patients uh, experience during those, those uh, different, uh, with different symptoms with those conditions. So we do see it for quite a few different, uh, in rheumatology, uh, again, we see it for um, those Crohn's patients, uh, lupus, rheumatoid arthritis, um, and fibromyalgia I really think is a great area because there's not a whole lot of options out there. Um, a lot of times patients have gone through multiple different therapies and it might help a little bit, but they're still, then they experience side effects from the medication. Um, so with that, there's very little risk in trying it in these patients. And if they do get results and, you know, I'm sure fibromyalgia patients, even a 20% improvement in their symptoms can be very, a, a great impact on their life. Yeah, especially uh, since I've been dealing with chronic pain, I think, you know, I was trying to look into low-dose naltrexone, and some of the studies I saw, I mean, were pretty promising. I mean, just like all that you discussed in terms of, like, Crohn's disease or inflammatory bowel disease, 
bowel disease, fibromyalgia, and then those mechanisms are, are pretty sound and, and have been studied. So I, it's interesting to see why, why we aren't using more of this, but in what you've seen so far is you've seen low-dose naltrexone, especially also um, studied for Ehlers-Danlos syndrome. Yes, and I definitely have a personal interest with that. Um, I wasn't very familiar with Ehlers-Danlos until about six months ago when my daughter was diagnosed. She was 11. Um, having severe pain issues, um, hypermobility. And so once we got that diagnosis, we definitely, you know, she had been taking LDN prior for other conditions, but we definitely increased that dose, kept her on it, and she's been doing very well without having to take other medications that might possibly irritate her stomach, um, cause her fatigue during the day. So she's been very happy with that and, and controlled. So it's, it, it has been put out recently by a pain doctor in Rhode Island. He wrote a study regarding um, Erla Stanlos and different, the, uh, different options for therapy. And they finally did put low-dose naltrexone in that study as being a, a hopeful medication for that. Yeah, that is so cool because it, it really, we see a lot of um, patients with Ehlers-Danlos syndrome with just severe chronic pain and a lot of headaches and a lot of the therapies we do and we do a lot of integrative therapies and it's just so incredibly tough to decrease that type of pain and so it's, it's going to be interesting to see um, if we can even get low-dose naltrexone um, into the clinic. And as I mentioned, you know, the safety studies that they've seen for LDN has been very, it's shown to be very, very safe. Um, side effect wise, very minimal in side effects. Most of, most of them are transient. They go away as the patient continues the therapy. And the great thing with low-dose naltrexone is it does have a taper, meaning that we start low and go slow with how patients increase it to the ideal dose that, that they want to be on. Um, and the studies, most of that is four and a half milligram. But generally, we start patients, especially kids, a lot lower, maybe half milligram or one and a half milligram. And then over several weeks, they go through a, a, a titrate up uh, to that four and a half milligram. Now, for myself, I take it for Lyme disease. Um, I've been taking it for about three years now. And again, with Lyme, it's just that uncontrollable pain and you try everything and for myself um, I sometimes even have to take nine milligrams and that really works well so that's still considered low dose once you get up to about 25 milligrams is kind of when that starts to uh, not be considered low dose anymore but you could definitely take a little bit more if you need to on certain days I know if I'm very active um, I've got something going on where we're running around for a couple days in a row with not a lot of rest I'm gonna need to take that nine milligrams but most days four and a half covers me pretty well oh wow yeah that's excellent Excellent. And tell us a little bit, maybe let's delve into a little bit of some of the mechanisms that you discussed in terms of taking it at night and kind of that endorphin rush and blocking the opioid receptors. I'm just kind of describing that a little bit so that we can kind of get into some of those side effects. Absolutely. So when you, as I mentioned before, as you get into the higher doses, it's meant to block those receptors for 24 hours. With these lower doses, it only blocks it for a few hours. So during that time, it gives a positive feedback to the brain saying, hey, we're deficient in endorphins and opioids you need to produce more so the brain then stimulates that production of endorphins and you get that rush which anybody that's been familiar with an endorphin rush it's a very feel-good feeling mental mentally and physically pain can diminish very quickly um, and the reason that it's recommended to be taken at night is because that's when you get your largest endorphin production so you can really amp that up by taking it in the evening now with that being said a lot of patients experience um, this the, one of the transient side effects is sleep disruption and so they'll either have very vivid dreaming um, it'll wake them up a couple hours after they've gone to sleep with just this really feel-good feeling 
rolling and they're wide awake, but of course they need their sleep. And so what we'll do is we'll just recommend patients change the time of day that they take it. And then as they go through and they get more used to it, they absolutely can try to move it again to bedtime. And then as long as they can um, maintain that, that bedtime dose, that's perfectly fine. Generally, it's recommended to just take it once a day. I do have a few patients that split up the dose and take it twice. They just, um, you know, weren't able to kind of prolong that effect with it. And it works very well for them for twice a day to be able to keep that pain control for the whole day. So you can really personalize that low dose naltrexone. Yes. It's not like a protocol for everybody. So that's where it takes, you know, a kind of a provider patient relationship to work with you on that low dose naltrexone, trying to specialize it for that person. Absolutely. And um, it is a point to mention, it can only be found in compounding pharmacies. It's not a drug that's commercially available in a regular pharmacy. And how it's compounded, um, we can do tablets, we can do capsules, we can even do a suspension. And right now we're doing um, tablets, but they also can be utilized as like a sublingual dose if a patient, another side effect can be stomach irritation because there are opioid receptors in our gut. So initially as those are responding, there can be a little bit of maybe cramping, diarrhea, which again will go away with time. Um, but they can take it and just dissolve it into the tongue. It bypasses that gut initially and then it gets into their system. And then again, as they get used to it, they can start swallowing that tablet and that works just fine to do that. Yeah, that's pretty interesting. And so how long does it usually take to see results from the low dose naltrexone? Does it just depend on how high you go? Absolutely. Well, it can take, some people will honestly see effect, um, you know, within just a couple of weeks. Um, it depends on how severe their condition is and how chronic it's been. So a lot of them with maybe an acute inflammation, it's not going to take as long as someone who's maybe had MS for several years um, or a chronic infection, something like that. So we do recommend that patients stay on it at least three to six months to see results, um, but it can even take some patients nine months to a year to really get where they want to be. Now, of course, they're going to see some effect prior to that, but it just may take a little bit longer for them to get the full effect from it. Yeah, one of my patients, um, it was a few years ago, um, she was placed on low-dose naltrexone, and, and she had a multitude of, you know, immune dysregulation, chronic fatigue. I think she also had chronic Lyme, and just really, I mean, she could barely walk, um, and she would just get so winded and, and really dizzy, and so when she was started on low-dose naltrexone, probably, I would say, six to eight weeks into it, she started having more energy, mm -hmm. so she started feeling better. So that's at least one anecdotal um, experience that I've had with low-dose naltrexone. I was a little bit worried, you know, just with my experience with chronic pain starting low-dose naltrexone because of the sleep issue. I didn't know that you could really take it, you know, earlier in the day so that it doesn't affect your sleep and you can get that endorphin, you know, kind of that rush that you talk about after a few hours to help decrease the pain during the day, especially if like you have pain around four o'clock, for example, Absolutely. you know, yeah. you can take it maybe at like noon and you can take it with a meal Yes. and everything. Yes. Okay. You can take it. Um, when it is compounded, one thing that we do tell people, and you can, you can take it with food, plenty of water, um, but really what's contained in the compound is what is especially important. It cannot be made as a sustained release capsule or tablet. It has to be an immediate release because oh. then you kind of lose the effect of the um, low dose naltrexone only sitting on the receptor for a few hours. So you always want to make sure it's immediate release. Um, and then the filler is very important too. Um, there's been a couple of studies where they looked at different fillers. 
calcium-based fillers definitely bind to that and decrease the absorption of the low-dose naltrexone. Um, a lot of people have sensitivities to lactose, so that's another one that you may want to avoid. And the one that they have found to be the best um, that most compounding pharmacies agree on is microcrystalline cellulose. Um, it's very inert uh, filler. Not a lot of people have any type of uh, reactions to it, and it's very digestive-friendly. Um, and we also recommend, you know, don't get anything with dyed powders or dyed capsules because a lot of people taking uh, low-dose naltrexone for a certain condition, dyes are obviously going to be inflammatory for them. So that's mm -hmm. another thing that we recommend, yeah. getting a clear capsule and just undyed powder. Oh, wow. That is super interesting. And tell us a little bit, I mean, we talk, we're talking about pain and the opioid receptors and that endorphin rush, but it also has a huge effect on the immune system and inflammation. And you can even tell us a little bit about some of the mechanisms in the brain and also kind of systemically. Yes, yes. So when they started looking at it in the 1980s for HIV, um, they were looking at it because of how it affected the immune system. So it, they used to call it an immunostimulator, but then that kind of got um, where people were worried that if they had an autoimmune condition, it would worsen their autoimmunity because of that increase in the immune system effect. So now they refer to it more as an immunomodulator, which means it helps balance the immune system. So besides sitting on the opioid receptors causing them that positive feedback for the endorphin rush, it also works on the glial system and glial cells. And so there are receptors called toll-like receptors that are found on glial cells that are, that are found in the central nervous system. And what it will do is it helps to modulate those uh, toll-like toll -like receptors. So then it decreases the pain sensation going from one nerve to the next. And so it kind of dampens that response. And one substance that's inflammatory that's produced is called cytokines. And it has been demonstrated that uh, low-dose naltrexone can help decrease the amount of cytokines that flood into the body. And so it also regulates the production and use of immune cells like T cells and B cells um, so that they are produced at a better rate. But again, it's kind of modulated so they're not overproductive. Um, but glial cells really, they're, they don't really do anything until they're stimulated by a trauma like infection or, um, you know, if it's an incision or inflammatory, you know, an injury, something like that. And once they start, sometimes in some patients, they won't turn off. And so they just continuously get that glial response and then that's when the immune system gets out of control and that's where um, autoimmunity can happen. So with low-dose naltrexone, it helps to just temper that and helps to say, okay, you need it now, but not here. And so let's kind of calm that system down. That's yeah. And it's so rare, especially in the medical world to find anything that regulates the immune system. All, all the medicines, I mean, that I know of either suppress the immune system and, and very few that may stimulate the immune system. In addition to supplements, you know, there's a lot of supplements that can stimulate the immune system as well. But I, I rarely hear of a immune regulator that can also balance the immune system from autoimmunity to less. And then if you don't have an immune system, it can boost your immune system. So um, I think that's pretty cool. Um, and it's one of the few medications it's and so every medication has what we call um, isomers. It's a mirror image of each other. There's a left side and the right side of the molecule. And in most drugs, only one side is what the mechanism is and how it functions. But in naltrexone, and especially low dose, both sides function. And that's how you get those different mechanisms from it. So it's kind of a cool drug in that sense, too, because it actually utilizes the entire function of the molecule. Wow. Do you ever see, I know we, we talked about um, the sleep issues with the low-dose naltrexone, but 
have you ever seen people um, have better sleep? Absolutely. So once they might, you know, they get through that beginning phase of just trying to, you know, get through those transient symptoms, um, they'll complain about vivid dreaming. But the thing about vivid dreaming is in some people, that's because they're getting deeper sleep than what they're used to. And so that's when it becomes kind of bothersome to them. But the good thing is, is they're starting to get over that hump and not being into that deep sleep. So after people, you know, especially with those who wake up multiple times because of pain issues or they're turning and they've got to wake up and make it a whole production to have to turn over to their other side because of the pain. I've been there, so I know. Um, so it does help to calm that down so they get a better sleep because they're not in so much pain during the night. But also in just the way that it regulates, you know, just the... Um, the body and it helps with that immune support and everything else too. Signals aren't going off in their body all night that sometimes people will wake up to. Cortisol, for example, we know in stress, which pain causes stress, cortisol will jump up in the middle of the night and wake people up. Um, so a lot of times, just in, indirectly, it's going to help with some of those features too. Yeah, sleep is, is big time associated with pain and vice versa, pain associated with sleep. And so it's just interesting to see how we can get these people to sleep because that's one of the toughest things without taking, you know, gabapentin, mm -hmm. you know, for example. And, and so, you know, doing something like low-dose naltrexone, could this be studied in the future, you know, for better sleep, even though initially we might have a, some sleep problems, but you get over it after you titrate. Right. So um, who should not be taking low-dose naltrexone? That's a great question. So we do recommend that anybody that is on, currently on opioid therapy, um, pain medications for severe pain, they really need to be off of those for about two weeks before they start low-dose naltrexone. Um, otherwise, it, even at the smaller doses, being on that receptor for a couple hours, they will experience withdrawal symptoms, and sometimes those can be very severe. Um, unless they're under the close supervision of a um, physician who is really monitoring that. Um, if they're on an immediate release pain medication or low dose, um, immediate release and low dose of a pain medication, they can separate the time by several hours and sometimes we'd be very successful in weaning off of that immediate release low dose um, and onto the low dose naltrexone. Um, but again, they do need to be closely monitored. The other patient population that we don't recommend it for is anyone who has had an organ transplant and is on immunosuppressive therapy because it can, since it does regulate the immune system, um, they're just concerned about what that might do with that medication. So those are really the two biggest populations that, that we uh, don't recommend it for. Um, pregnancy, actually, so it has been studied for fertility. There is a physician out of Ireland who has utilized it in his fertility clinics, and it's now part of some fertility programs throughout the country in the U.S. as well, um, because he would start patients who came in who might have an autoimmune condition, um, and they, they were trying to get pregnant, and fertility rates were low just because of the inflammation in their body, PCOS, hormone dysregulation. Um, so we started utilizing it and would take him off of it when they did have a positive pregnancy test, mm -hmm. but then he was still seeing, you know, potentially early births. He was seeing the birth weights. Um, so he's like, well, you know, let's just go ahead and try it throughout pregnancy and see. And now he's had hundreds and thousands of patients um, on low-dose naltrexone throughout pregnancy. So they're now deeming it safe during pregnancy because they've seen no issues with no susception in the babies, um, no developmental delays or anything like that. As of note, naltrexone, the FDA approved in those standard doses, it is a pregnancy category C, so definitely something to discuss with your, your doctor yeah. before starting it. Yeah, that's always the case, especially in pregnancy, since it's just difficult to study um, pregnant women, lactating women, for sure.
So, and then I have used it in chill, like children. I had used it in because of a study, um, for kids with neurodevelopmental disabilities who, um, were, you know, basically injuring themselves because of um, certain behaviors due to their neurodevelopmental disability. And, um, and it seemed, we didn't see any side effects, but we did pretty low dose. It, it didn't work at that time, but there was also some, you know, a lot more going on than, than just, you know, the injurious behaviors. Um, there was a lot more in terms of psychosocial stuff that was going on. And so um, anything in your experience in terms of children and adolescents, so I always do recommend that we start them in a lower dose. So I usually have uh, children start at a 0.5 or a half milligram tablet instead of going straight to the one and a half, just because it gives them a little more time to taper up a little slower. Um, but other than that, we've had great success with children. Um, we've seen them from uh, spectrum disorders to the Ehlers-Danlos to even kids that have, um, you know, depressive disorder, any of those type of things too. So um, we've seen that be very successful and they do very well. And again, low side effect profile. So we really don't get um, a whole lot of kids. I know my daughter had an issue with uh, the vivid dreaming. And so we switched her to the morning dose, which actually worked out really well for her because her worst pain was when she'd get home from school in the afternoon because she'd be carrying a heavy backpack all day and she'd be running in gym and just very active. Um, and so that actually helped her out and she felt better at that point in time during the day when she used to be at her worst. So is there any issues with missing a dose? Um, no, and actually excuse me, patients can just go right back on it if they do miss a dose. Um, they may notice that they've missed it later on in the day. They may be like, oh, I'm having some more pain. Oh, I forgot to take my dose. And then they can go ahead and take it at that point in time. Um, but we do have some patients that will take a holiday off. They'll take like a weekend off of it, and that's perfectly fine. To so no big deal. No, and they're able to go right back on the dose that they were on. They don't have to do the taper again. And say they're feeling great, you know, their symptoms are over with, they've gotten over their chronic condition, you know, hopefully in a few years, for example. Can they, do they have to titrate down? Or it's like, no, they can absolutely stop cold turkey. I'm, I'm not a big fan of stopping anything cold turkey, so sometimes I will help them taper just to make sure they can withstand and the symptoms don't come back. Um, but there's nothing that says that they can't just go ahead and stop it. And obviously with what we do, you know, trying to get some of those things fixed, whether it be gut health or addressing hormone dysregulation or adrenals, thyroid, whatever it might be, um, the chronic infections, there's a lot of things that they can do that they do decrease their inflammatory loads so much, especially with the low-dose naltrexone, that they are successful going off of it. Absolutely. Wow. Okay. Yeah. I have no idea. And then, um, in terms of some of the other, you know, side effects, the big side effects we mentioned in terms of sleep and those GI side effects like diarrhea, is there constipation involved? Not usually. No. Okay. Um, we usually see it the other direction. Yeah. I know that I've seen some things listed where constipation was listed on there, but I don't know that I've ever had a patient complain of that it's usually the other way. It's yeah. We have quite a few Crohn's patients, um, that take it. And so we do have to do a slower taper with them because again, because the opioid receptors in the gut, it has to get used to it. And so initially they'll have a little bit of GI upset. Um, but if we go slow, go low, start low, go slow, they do very well at that point. Okay. That's interesting. And so not a lot of unusual side effects other than the, the norm. No. And, and sometimes fillers make a difference. I have had oh, some people that have gotten a lactose filler right. and they'll come in and they'll say, what do you guys use? Because that just completely, you know, messed up my right. stomach. So that can be taken into account as well. Are there any current, um, 
studies going on right now that are not published or, or nothing that we know about, or where can we find more information? Yes, if you go, if you, uh, you can Google um, low-dose naltrexone clinical trials, and there is a website that you can go to that will list all the clinical trials. And I looked, and I have to look again, but I think there's like 40-some that oh, wow. are in trial right now, um, or that had been in trial at some point. A lot of them are already published, but I know, um, as I mentioned earlier, endometriosis is one of them that just got started. They actually, at the end of um, March, are doing a study on COVID because of the cytokine storm that occurs during um, at the end stages of COVID. Because LDN is so safe to take at home, it would be something that they could allow patients to take either as a preventative if they're at high risk or if they're showing the first signs of it, they can start it at home before, you know, potentially a hospitalization. So that one is actually in right now as well. Um, and then there are some regarding certain cancers. Um, and I believe there's an uh, another Crohn study possibly coming out. I have to look yeah, because the Crohn study that's already been published was pretty well done yes. with pretty good outcomes. And I really like to talk about Crohn's in that area because it's more than just subjective information from the patients. You're actually seeing the endoscopy and colonoscopy scope result, results. And so you're being able to see on picture what that change in the tissue looks like and the improvement. So I like that area just because you can see that physical feature on them. Wow, that is so cool. Okay, I'll have to look more into low-dose naltrexone. And then they can also go, for who's listening, to learn more about it is that LDN Research Trust, right? That's correct. So our two um, big sources of information we send to patients, um, ldnresearchtrust.org and ldnscience.org. Both of them will have um, studies that have been published. Uh, the Research Trust also has some presentations that have been done at some of their conferences, so you can actually read the um, physician's presentation that they did. They have their slides on there. Um, and then they also have a list of conditions that patients have reported. Um, LDN Research Trust does a radio show that we're hoping to be on here in the next couple of months because we're members with them. Um, and they'll just kind of delve into all different kinds. They'll have patients on so they can give their case. They'll have providers on so they can give cases oh, and tell their great. experience, pharmacists. And um, it's just great because you can get a wide array of information from them. Okay, good. I'm going to check that out then. And I'll have that, um, everybody, on the details in the podcast episode. And then I'll put it also on the show notes too at the healthispower.com as well and uh, we do have to say it is off-label for a lot of these conditions except for the treatment of alcohol and opioid dependence correct at the higher doses yes, right correct. so far okay until we are getting more of those studies out so hopefully maybe we're gonna see some improvements in that area in terms of FDA approval maybe yes and I think it you know just the timing of it it was already FDA approved in those higher doses and it kind of at that point was off happening and so it wasn't really financially gained for anybody to really do a lot of research on that, except for those who had um, an interest and wanted to continue that, that studies. Yeah, that's interesting. And you actually mentioned something about um, kind of the synergy with low-dose naltrexone and CBD as well. Yes, that is one of my favorite combinations to use for patients, especially chronic pain, um, because that they are very similar in how they work in the body, but they are different mechanisms. And so doing that both together where you can get the endocannabinoid rush with the CBD along with the endorphin rush with the LDN, really that's a beautiful combination for patients with pain. Um, CBD being over the counter, lotosaltrexone is prescription, um, but it's definitely something that, that patients can try. And for those who you know might have been on um, LDN in the past that maybe didn't use it long enough, I've had a lot of patients come back and say, you know what, I want to go ahead and try that again. And I'll say, okay, well, let's evaluate what dosing that you did. Did you really get up to the full dose or did you kind of just stop it at the one 
and a half and not make it up to the four and a half. Um, but I'll usually recommend them start at the CBD too so then they can see that synergy and be able to give improvements a lot faster in that case than um, waiting at several months to see that. And, and just real quick to talk about CBD, you know, since there's a lot of maybe misinformation and a lot of um, shops and things like that are selling the CBD oil that might not have the right ingredients in it. Do you want to just touch a little bit yes, on that? We're not going to go yes. into CBD, but maybe just... Obviously, every state has their own um, regulatory system for that, um, so you have to make sure you know what product that you're getting, um, but the, it is really the wild, wild west out there with CBD um, products and, and shops. Um, we do recommend, make sure that you get it through someone who has some knowledge with it, um, preferably a healthcare provider. There are some companies that only sell to healthcare providers for that reason, because I mean, as CBD, it, it does go through the liver, so there are some drug interactions that you need to be made aware of if you're on certain medications. Um, I had a patient who had an experience where he went in and just wanted to know if it was compatible with his heart medications and was told, oh, once you start CBD, you can go off all your heart medications. And it was someone with zero medical background whatsoever. So he came to us likely to ask if that was true. And we said, absolutely not. You stay on your heart medications, but we did look it up and we made sure that it was compatible, which it was. And it actually does have benefit in cardiovascular. Um, but those kind of things are very scary because what if he had not done that? He'd just taken that advice and gone. So we like um, you know, to make sure we recommend products that have what's called a certificate of analysis. Um, so the company is consistently doing testing on all their lots of products that come out there's some that will maybe do it on the first batch that they do and then that's all they ever do um, but there are companies that will do it with every batch that they make and they will provide that to your provider they'll provide it to you so you can see it's not contaminated you can see the potency of it um, you can make sure there's no heavy metals and then be able to look at things like the terpene profile which terpenes are found um, in the hemp plant which can have um, sometimes they have stimulating effects, sometimes they have calming effects, and so they can make a nice blend to help patients depending on what their issue is. Um, so you do want to make sure it's a clean product because, again, you could be getting something uh, that has, you know, 25% potency and you're paying a lot of money for it um, versus one that you're actually getting what, what it says is in there. And that's important for all supplements, but um, CBD just recently has been a, that's been an issue. And, and then the dosages are, you know, different. People aren't taking, you know, the higher doses that are usually recommended because it's so expensive. So they're Absolutely. taking much smaller doses. Is there a specific kind of dosing range that, you know, adults should be Using or it's not, okay. it's really again customized personalized because um, yeah. there'll be some patients that can take, um, you know, 25 milligrams on a daily basis, so they take it three times a week, and that's great for them. And they have the same condition as someone else that needs 300 milligrams every single day, and they can't go without it. Um, so it definitely ranges, and it depends on metabolism too, because you do get different metabolites depending on how you break certain drugs down um, and how your liver functions. And so, with that. Um, again, it, it can just range. And generally with CBD, it's pretty, it's shown to be pretty safe within a wide range of milligrams, um, you know, 25 milligrams up to like a thousand milligrams. Um, they haven't seen any long-term issues with. Now, most patients don't get up that high. Um, really, I see some patients about 200 and that's kind of the max for them. Um, but most do pretty well between 50 and 100. 
Oh, wow. Okay. That's great. That is really great to know because in our, especially in epilepsy, you know, since I'm in the division of neurology, we have to do the yes. very high doses. So, and now that that is a good point too, because um, the commercial product of the Dialex is actually a CBD isolate. So it's only CBD. It doesn't have terpenes. It doesn't have any of the other cannabinoids in there. So that's a lot of times why you have to use higher doses. Mm -hmm. And some people are experienced with over the counter products. If it's a CBD isolate, they might have to use more than one that has that more spectrum right um, you know uh, type of profile with it oh okay so interesting Wow well um, is there anything we didn't touch base on low dose now Trexone that we want to go over for everyone um, there is an app that people can download called the LDN app and it's a very nice feature especially for providers to follow their patients um, they can go in, do their baseline labs, they can put in medications they're taking, they can put in their, rate their symptoms, and then as they start LDN, they can track that. And if I remember correctly, I might be wrong about this, but I think you can somehow print that out or you can send it to your provider, like to an email or something like that. So then your provider has that information and can take a look at it, and if they just need an update on how you're doing, that would be an option for them as well. LDN app, it's just called LDN. Mm -hmm. My low dose naltrexone. Uh, that's, that's, that's it. it. Yes. Cool. That is so neat. Ah, all the good tips. Okay, <laughs> great. Um, and it's a free app, so that's yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, what else? Um, let's see here. I was going to see. Oh, precautions. Um, one thing that we do want to talk about, besides drug interactions with uh, low dose naltrexone, with the standard doses, it does have a liver warning um, because of. At higher doses, it was shown at 300 to have some liver effects. So anybody that has kidney disease, liver disease, it's definitely a good idea to discuss that with your um, provider before you start. Make sure maybe liver enzymes are being monitored periodically. Um, but other than that, I mean, there's not, again, it's, it's a fairly safe drug to use. There hasn't been um, long-term effects really studied in any formal study, but the fact that they've been using this since the 1980s, you know, we're getting to that point that it, it they would have seen some safety issues. Yeah. I've seen it by now. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and so Dr. Rhodes, she works at um, a really great compounding pharmacy called Custom RX in Wichita. And are you, you guys ship just into Kansas and Missouri, or you can ship? We can ship. We're uh, licensed in about 43, 44 states, oh, so we can wow. ship really all over. Okay, and they, I mean, the reason why I work with them quite a bit, and I, I don't have any conflict of interest with them, is because they really just know their stuff. They are evidence-based. Um, they teach, you know, healthcare providers about compounding and about a lot of the different therapies that may not be taught in medical school and residency and training. And so, and they just deliver just the best customer service. I used to work with other compounding pharmacists and now I just stick with Custom RX. I mean, I used to work with compounding pharmacists all over uh, the country, but really Custom RX kind of um, stuck out in terms of their excellence. And so I'll put some of their information um, on there too. And I'll also put um, Dr. Rhodes' uh, bio and then maybe we can even get a photo too. Yeah, absolutely. We can do that. And, I, and I'll put my email address on there too so if anybody has questions, they can certainly re reach out. And I was going to say, you know, with um, the LDN Research Trust and the LDN Science, they do have a provider lookup. So if someone lives in a different state, they can look up potential providers that are in their area. Oh, that good. Would, um, that do prescribe it. 
because that's one of the toughest things a lot for us patients is trying to find a provider who will listen to us and you know bring the studies and say hey what do you think about low dose naltrexone and and so I think it's good to kind of bring some of this stuff up to the healthcare provider ahead of time if you want to discuss low dose naltrexone because you never know I mean I didn't even know about it and I you know I'm integrative I knew of it but I just didn't know all the the um, things that you talked about today and so I think it's good to kind of go to some of these uh, resources that you talked about today before you know discussing with your healthcare provider just to kind of you know bring that evidence for them and we have a lot of patients ask well how do I approach this with my provider you know they don't know anything about it and I remember going out 15 years ago right when I first started at, at Customer X going out and talking about with naltrexone and they were just like nope we, we don't know anything about that you know it's kind of one of those things that it's just like ah, I'm not sure that are now contacting me and saying, all right, I remember you coming out years ago. Can you come out again? Let's talk about it. I have enough patients asking for it. I think I think it's a thing. Let's let's go ahead and, you know, and talk about it. Um, one thing to kind of ease the mind too, there is a drug on the market called Contrade. It's a weight loss medication that contains Wellbutrin and naltrexone in lower doses than the standard. Um, of course, on the mechanisms, they, they really say that the mechanism of helping with weight loss is unknown. But knowing what we know about how it works with the endorphins, and helping inflammation. Um, it does have a little dopamine regulation too, um, they think. So that's something, because we've seen improvements in major depressive disorder, so the fact that that can have a connection there. So that can sometimes ease their mind too, that it has been studied in smaller doses, at least in a drug that's out there. Wow. Um, might not be for your specific condition, but it is, again, have that safety profile. So if they're worried about that, we just tell them, you know, hey, can, can I just try this for a couple of months? If it doesn't work, that's fine. We can stop it. But really, safety's good on it. Can I just give it a try? And it's a very easy conversation, you know, if they're willing to do that. But again, they've got that resource to find someone that prescribes what they need. Yeah, I think that's a good idea to do that for sure. And um, I, this is excellent. I think we went over a lot today in such a short amount of time and describing low-dose naltrexone because it really has been tough to find information out there, you know, especially in the medical world. But I also think I haven't found a whole lot, even in the podcast world, um, in searching. No, so they'll that, mention it every now and then. I saw um, one that was on another podcast that I was actually reading the transcript of and they were talking about um, GI inflammation and they mentioned naltrexone and then just in a brief just a brief comment yeah. but at least it was on there you know it was something that that was good um, the other thing that I meant to mention early we can also do a topical naltrexone because a lot of dermatology uh, dermatologic conditions have improved with using it. It's not meant to be systemic. So if someone has like psoriasis or eczema, poison ivy, something like that that's just really irritating, they can apply that and get that immune response oh, and that inflammation down. Um, so like Haley Haley disease is one that they've got quite a bit of information out about that. Um, we've had some patients use it for very unusual conditions that the dermatologist has found nothing else has worked, um, that they'll get it and just be like, holy moly, this worked fantastic and results were really quick with it. We still recommend with dermatology systemic, as we know, a lot of things filter out through our skin, can cause those issues. Um, so we do recommend them long-term being on the systemic, the capsule or the tablet, the liquid, um, but certainly can use that topical first step to help with those, those symptoms. Yeah, maybe like acute flares and things exactly, like that. Exactly. Okay, that totally makes sense to me.
Yeah, this was so eye-opening, and I think I'm going to look into Lojo's Naltrexone quite a bit more um, and look up those websites as well. And I am so thankful that you did this yeah, today. Thank you for having me. This is great. It was fun. Um, so maybe next time we can even get into kind of more of the other, um, you know, compounding pharmacy conditions that you guys really kind of delve into at Custom RX as well, since you, they are really wonderful at Women's Health. But I. You know, I, we felt like low-dose naltrexone was a really great topic that's really not discussed that much elsewhere. And so, um, especially for a lot of the women's health conditions that we've been discussing about already on the podcast, like endometriosis, PMS, and PCOS, we did all of it already in pain. So I think this was a big topic today. So I'm so thankful. And I'll put all your information there um, so that you guys um, can connect with her as well in the show notes at www.healthispower.com. And if you haven't subscribed, rate and leave a review for us um, at iTunes, Spotify, or Stitcher that would help support the mission of um, providing information and wellness for women with chronic conditions. And you can find us also on Instagram, hang out with us, um, email us at hello at healthispower.com. We look forward to hearing from you and kind of get your feedback as well to see what other topics you guys want to hear about. So thank you, Dr. Rhodes. Thank you very much. <laughs>